The Odyssey. Reading number three, book nine, lines 307 to 412. Offering the Cyclops Wine. As soon as rosy-fingered dawn appeared, Cyclops relit the fire. Then he milked the ewes and bleating goats in order, putting her young to each. When he had busied himself at his tasks, he again seized two of my men and began to eat them. When he had finished, he drove his well-fed flocks from the cave, effortlessly lifting the huge doorstone and replacing it again like the cap on a quiver. Then, whistling loudly, he turned his flocks out onto the mountain slopes, leaving me with murder in my heart, searching for a way to take vengeance on him if Athena would grant me inspiration. The best plan seemed to be this. The Cyclops' huge club, a trunk of green olive wood he had cut to take with him as soon as it was seasoned, lay next to a sheep pen. It was so large and thick that it looked to us like the mast of a twenty-oared black ship, a broad-beamed merchant vessel that sails the deep ocean. Approaching it, I cut off a six-foot length, gave it to my men, and told them to smooth the wood. Then, standing by it, I sharpened the end to a point and hardened the point in the blazing fire after which I hid it carefully in one of the heaps of dung that lay around the cave. I ordered the men to cast lots as to which of them should dare to help me raise the stake and twist it into the cyclops' eye when sweet sleep took him. The lot fell on the very ones I would have chosen, four of them, with myself making a fifth. He returned at evening, shepherding his well-fed flocks, He herded them swiftly, every one, into the deep cave, leaving none in the broad yard, commanded to do so by a god or because of some premonition. Then he lifted the huge doorstone and set it in place, and sat down to milk the ewes and bleating goats in order, putting her young to each. But when he had busied himself at his tasks, he again seized two of my men and began to eat them. That was when I went up to him, holding an ivy-wood bowl full of dark wine, and said, Here, Cyclops, have some wine to follow your meal of human flesh, so you can taste the sort of drink we carried in our ship. I was bringing the drink to you as a gift, hoping you might pity me and help me on my homeward path, but your savagery is past bearing." Cruel man, why would anyone on earth ever visit you again when you behave so badly? At this, he took the cup and drained it, and found the sweet drink so delightful, he asked for another draft. Give me more, freely, then quickly tell me your name, so I may give you a guest gift, one that will please you. Among us cyclopes, the fertile earth produces rich grape clusters, and Zeus's reign swells them. But this is a taste from a stream of ambrosia and nectar. Blinding the Cyclops As he finished speaking, I handed him the bright wine. Three times I poured and gave it to him, and three times, foolishly, he drained it. When the wine had fuddled his wits, I tried him with subtle words. Cyclops, you asked my name, and I will tell it. Give me afterwards a guest gift as you promised. My name is Nobody. 
Nobody, my father, mother, and friends, call me. These were my words, and this his cruel answer. Then my gift is this. I will eat nobody last of all his company and all the others before him. As he spoke, he reeled and toppled over on his back, his thick neck twisted to one side, and all-conquering sleep overpowered him. In his drunken slumber, he vomited wine and pieces of human flesh. Then I thrust the stake into the depth of the ashes to heat it, and inspired my men with encouraging words so none would hang back from fear. When the olive wood stake was glowing hot and ready to catch fire despite its greenness, I drew it from the coals. Then my men stood round me, and a god breathed courage into us. They held the sharpened olive wood stake and thrust it into his eye, while I threw my weight on the end and twisted it round and round as a man bores the timbers of a ship with a drill that others twirl lower down with a strap held at both ends, and so keeps the drill continuously moving. We took the red-hot stake and twisted it round and round like that in his eye, and the blood poured out despite the heat. His lids and brows were scorched by flame from the burning eyeball, and its roots crackled with fire. As a great axe or adze causes a vast hissing when the smith dips it in cool water to temper it, strengthening the iron, so his eye hissed against the olive wood stake. Then he screamed terribly, and the rock echoed. Seized by terror, we shrank back as he wrenched the stake wet with blood from his eye. He flung it away in frenzy and called to the Cyclopes, his neighbors who lived in caves on the windy heights. They heard his cry, and crowding in from every side, they stood by the cave mouth and asked what was wrong. Polyphemus, what terrible pain is this that makes you call through deathless night and wake us? Is a mortal stealing your flocks, or trying to kill you by violence or treachery? Out of the cane came mighty Polyphemus' voice. Nobody, my friends, is trying to kill me by violence or treachery. To this they replied with winged words. If you are alone, and nobody does you violence, it's an inescapable sickness that comes from Zeus. Pray to the Lord Poseidon, our father. <laughs>